Welcome back to Thirsty, the podcast. I'm Laura Koo. And I'm Heather McGee. Today, we're talking about what it means to be emotionally available. This is Laura, and before we dig into a very exciting topic of emotional availability, um, just a reminder, if you are enjoying Thirsty, um, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, um, share us with your friends, review us, follow us. Um, We definitely want more listeners, more people tapping into the stuff that we're talking about. Um, So please make sure that you are sharing and following along. Probably, I would say the number one reason Laura and I started this podcast was to create a supportive community. You know, I know both of us felt that going through a divorce can feel really disconcerting, really isolating, and you just have no idea what's going on, how things are going to go, and it helps to have friends. Um, So that was a big part of why we started this podcast is because we found so much community and support in each other and our friend who is not allowed on the podcast because she's in love with her lobster um, (laughs) that we really wanted to create that on a bigger level because we knew there were other there were other people out there like us that need a community that need some support that need a little bit of guidance or questions to ask themselves figure out for themselves what the next chapter is going to look like. So that's why we would love for you to share this. All right. So emotional availability. Um, I feel like this is such like a buzz, buzz term, buzzword, buzz term. Um, <laughs> buzz term. Let's just call it buzz term now. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be buzzword, but we're going to call it buzz term now. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, it's something that we want in a partner. It's something that we really want to be ourselves, um, to be more open, to be more emotionally available. But I'll be honest, I haven't really sat and thought about what that actually meant beyond being like in touch with your emotions. Like I I didn't really know that there were like more components or more things that really like help you be more open and more emotionally available. So I thought we could dig into that a little bit. Well, I mean, that's kind of a, it's kind of a foundational question. I think it's good to ask, like, what does it mean to be emotionally available? What do you think it means? Well, like, again, I just kind of thought it was just being able to talk about your feelings and like very baseline. Like when we kind of throw around the idea of writing, like doing this episode, I didn't know that there would be like a lot of components to it. Cause I'm like, well, it's just like talking about your feelings. Mm -hmm. I think for me, oh, this is embarrassing. I go even deeper and it's like the ability to feel your feelings, Mm. not just talk about it, but to allow yourself to feel things to be, I I think being uh, comfortable being vulnerable is probably a big one. Oh, and I see you have that on the list. So sorry. That was an accident. Top of the list. (laughs) Uh, Laura's already got this all figured out. Yeah, it's an interesting topic because I think most people, like if you would ask them, like, are you emotionally available? It's like, how do you have that conversation? Like, that's such a weird way to quantify, a weird thing to try to quantify. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't know, probably at any given moment in our lives over the course of the journey of our lives, the answer to that probably changes, I would think. Yeah. And especially on who you're with and what the situation is for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to your list that you have very well well organized. (laughs) Cats out of the bag. Um, Vulnerability is at the top of the list. Um, This is, I feel like one of, I mean, I would say probably one of the hardest components because being vulnerable is often not a natural state for most people. Scary. Yeah. 
Well, it means someone can hurt you. Like Laura and I were, we accidentally started talking before I hit record about this just a tiny bit, but like when you're vulnerable, that means someone can hurt you. And so it has to be someone that you trust to at least not hurt you on purpose. You know, so the choice to become vulnerable, I I think you have to be smart about Like, I don't think you should go around being vulnerable with everybody you meet. Like, I don't think that's a good idea. Like you need to know them well enough to know that you can trust them to open yourself up to that. Yeah, I can definitely tell in a relationship very easily where I'm at, because if I start using my kind of stock answer of I'm fine, it's because I'm not fine and I'm not comfortable and I don't feel like that person will be receptive to what's going on with me. And so I kind of just go into my challenge, like I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, because this isn't a safe person for me. Yeah. Well, I had a, I actually had an epiphany the other day that I was projecting because I think you know, at times I've said things like, oh, I wish this person would be more um, emotionally affectionate or I would get more emotion out of them. And I had a brain when I was like, oh no, I'm projecting. Cause I always like, I'm kind of harsh on people about projecting. Like, oh, you hate selfish people. You're really selfish. You know, like things like that. And I realized I was projecting wanting other, you know, someone else to be more emotionally affectionate with me. Mm-hmm. And I had a thought about, I was like, I'm not really very emotionally affectionate. And I really think I'm projecting. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> Dang it. It was me. I'm the problem. Like Taylor Swift's song, Annie Hero. I'm the problem. I mean, um, Taylor says it. Well, yeah, she says it well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, siren song for middle-aged women going through divorces. Um, <laughs> um, okay. You said you say I'm fine a lot because you don't. So is that what you say to your partner? Because you've said that to like your friends too when you're talking. Like I've heard you say it when you're talking about a relationship and mm-hmm. we're like, oh, fine, but I'm not going to push it because that means you don't want to talk about it right now, but you'll come back. We'll talk about it at brunch when you've had a drink or two, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm fine is definitely my walls up. Uh, okay. The, yeah. Okay. And you say that to the person you're maybe in a relationship with. Yeah. I feel like I did a lot of that with, you know, way, way back when self-absorbed Sam there was a lot of like, cause I could tell he wasn't receptive to where I was at. I had already expressed a little bit of how I was feeling. And when that didn't, when it was clear that he didn't get it, I kind of just defaulted into that. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And just kind of brushed it off because I'm like, clearly like, this isn't a safe space for me to actually go into my feelings where in other relationships, I know that they would have seen it and been receptive to how I was feeling and we would have talked through it and it would have been comfortable to do so. But when you can tell that somebody isn't meeting you where you're at, no, I'm not going to get into it. Well, you also bring up an interesting question of like, maybe how emotionally available you are can be related to the person you picked Mm -hmm. or yourself. Or it could also be like time. Like I know for me, I'm not, I'm real big on taking things slow. So I'm almost never emotionally available in a big way until I've gotten to know someone, like even for a few months, I would say. So there's also that. It's like some people, it doesn't work so well. And I think other times really you should, if you are all in emotionally available at the very beginning, that's probably not real smart. I don't think, because mm-hmm. you don't know them. They're a stranger. Yep. Yeah. But I think, yeah, that's, I feel like vulnerability is always the piece where people just want to run away and hide often because it really is, you know, isn't the whole point like with animals, if they're vulnerable, they get killed. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Great. Laura dates mountain lions, apparently. (laughs) 
have to protect yourself. You can't be vulnerable to pray. That's how it works, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah, it's tough because like you are worried about getting hurt and like all of us have gotten hurt. You know, we talked about in a previous episode, most of my relationships have been toxic. So honestly, in those relationships, it would have been real stupid for me to be vulnerable because I mean, it got weaponized against me Mm -hmm. if I ever like, you know, like there are things in my life I would try to talk to, you know, him about and then later when he was mad at me, he'd use it against me. Great. Well, that goes back to the idea of what you just said about not obviously like taking your time in order to open up and be more vulnerable because at the beginning when everybody's being really nice to each other, you don't know their true colors yet because you haven't, you probably haven't had a real fight yet. You like a lot hasn't happened. You don't know anything about them. And so that idea of them kind of weaponizing certain things against you, we go into things hoping that won't happen, but you, yeah. A, there's never any guarantees ever, but especially when you're just getting to know someone and you're in this like nice honeymoon period and then you open it up and then things go south and they can really hurt you in a real way. Well, and I don't want to get too far off track. This is like taking me down a rabbit hole of the whole thing we've also talked about with sliders and time and really you should go mm-hmm. slow. You don't know them and like making yourself vulnerable at the beginning. And then that is directly related to emotional availability. Like this all brings us back to those lightning relationships almost never work out. You know, yeah. those ones where like you're all in right at the beginning and it's so wonderful. And it's a whirlwind and then it's over like four weeks later. It really does speak to going slow is I don't know. I think I have gotten, and everyone has different opinions on this and I'm not saying anybody's wrong or right, but I think I've gotten pretty firmly into the go slow is the right pace for me on all fronts. Mm -hmm, For sure. Port systems. Uh, This is another really big one with the idea of when we were talking more about toxic relationships and how, if you are just If you only have that partner to lean on in your life and you don't have anybody else there and you're relying on that person for everything, for your happiness, for your sadness, all of these things, that's your only person. It's really unhealthy um, situation to be in. And so it's so important to have your own support system, but it's also important that your partner has that outlet too. Like you both have that happening. Yeah. I mean, you really are someone that opened my eyes to this, that... I think I used to put so much pressure on my romantic partners that I had this like built up on a pedestal idea that they needed to be everything for me. And I remember you were the first one that kind of, because I think you learned this lesson and then you very kindly shared it with the rest of the group chat. You know, maybe I I think the way you put it, maybe I, I'm going to impersonate you. Maybe I don't need to get all of it with my romantic partner. Maybe Mm -hmm. some of it's you guys. And we were like, okay. That's actually pretty smart, you know, because it actually does create problems when I think you put all your support on one person, no matter who it is, whether it's a best friend, a sibling, um, a romantic partner, because like, it's just not realistic. It's so much pressure on that one person. Yes. Yep. And you're relying on them in such a big way. And that one person just, one person just can't provide everything that you need in every situation. I mean, that is why we joke about assembling the group chat and having that space, like, because it is a very safe space and, you know, there are a few of us in it. And so we can, you know, kind of each take our part and are helpful in our own ways. And we all kind of know what's going on. And when we're in, you know, 
I guess I'm the only one in the group chat right now that's not in a relationship, but both of you are, and but you don't have to share everything with your partners of like stuff that's going on and being able to share that in the group chat means that like you can kind of be a little bit more careful in a healthy way on what you kind of throw at your partner, especially with all of us with kids and stuff happening. Like I don't need the person I'm dating to know all the nitty gritty of like some of the hard stuff with parenting. Like I don't need to dump that on a boyfriend, um, but as moms, we all get that. Well, and it also, um, I mean, I always feel like I'm sitting at the intersection of asking myself what's reasonable to expect, you know, because I was thinking about, I actually heard this on the radio this morning and you and I have talked about this. There are certain things that I don't know that whoever I'm dating would ever even be capable of understanding. And like, sometimes you really do need someone who relates. Like, you know, I know in our group chat, we've talked about lots of really personal things. And like, I'm thinking about, and this is not my current relationship. This was back years ago when I had this realization about having been assaulted, that it was an assault. And I tried mm-hmm. to talk to a man about it and he was not empathetic at all. I'm starting. And then when I gr- spoke to a fr- group of my girlfriends about it, they immediately swooped right in. They got it immediately and they knew how to handle it and how to support me. And I heard something on the radio about a a girl who'd been dating a guy for five months. She really liked him and things happened and she realized she needed to get plan B and he was not, he didn't swoop in to support her the way he should have Mm -hmm. probably out of ignorance. And just like, it got me thinking, like, I think sometimes they're, they're not the right one actually to support you with certain things. And while it would be nice, it's just not possible or realistic yeah. for any one person to know every single way to support you that you need. Like it's, it's really not. Well, and I think on the flip side, I was, you know, as I was thinking through this, I was thinking about our relationship where he definitely did not want me sharing what was going on in the relationship with other people. And while I think that there is like a careful level of trust between you and your partner that you don't go to school blabbing about very intimate details of your life with other people. It is important to be able to share that, you know, what's happening, especially when things aren't going well with a close circle of friends. And I felt very cut off from, I mean, not that I didn't still share things because (laughs) I needed to, because things were really tough and it wasn't a good situation and I needed to have people to talk to about it. But trying to cut me off from being able to do that was, then who did I have? Who, who, who would have known what was going on in my life that was hard and what kind of, I would, the person who was causing the pain was also going to be the only support system. And that just doesn't make sense. Well, I love what, what you brought up here too, because it makes me think about two other things. One being authentic in your relationships, because I did the same thing. Like I will say with all the problems I was having in my marriage, I think people, some of the people really close to me could intuit that things weren't going well. Mm-hmm. But I, I felt loyalty and I did exactly, you know, exactly what you just described. I didn't really talk about it to most people. And what's interesting is once everything fell apart and my real authentic self came to the surface, I lost some friends over it because they were like, we don't even know you. I don't like, who are you? And I was like, well, this is me, but I'd never shown that to them. Mm-hmm. I'd never shown that to them. I hadn't been authentic with them. So I think you're bringing up another aspect to this too, is that if, if you're not being authentic with the other people in your life with a bigger support system, are they really even your friends? Like they don't even know you. They don't know Mm -hmm. you because you're not giving that to them. You're, I mean, I'm not going to say lying, but they're not getting the real you. It's a very carefully curated persona. It's your Facebook self. 
Yeah. So then that's like, I mean, I know this whole episode is about emotional availability, but it does go that deep, I think, because you're right. It's the curated version of you. It's not like I, I tried really hard to like back up, you know, my partner and all that. And then later, you know, some of my friends were like, I had no idea that was going on, mm-hmm. you know, and that was my fault because I didn't talk about it at all. Yeah. And it's hard. That's a, it's a, it's a hard position to be in. Um, and it kind of goes back to that, like, just putting forth that I'm fine. Everything's fine. Well, there's nothing <laughs> to see here. It's all good. It's fine. Even though I look like I haven't slept in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Going real <Everything>, well, y'all. <laughs> everything's great. Yeah. All right. Communication. I feel like that's an easy one, or at least I feel like it's a pretty like a core relationship skill and definitely something that I look for more now as an adult than I did as like a 22 year old dating, like communication wouldn't have been something I had even thought about because I just thought it was a basic baseline skill, but it is something that not everybody is great at. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, and two, like, I think my understanding of what good communication is, is really deepened. Because I used to think it was like how long they took to respond to my text, you know, because like we've all, we've all dated that man. It's like, I'm just not good at texting. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Whatever. You know? So that's one issue, but like, there's also the aspect of, you know, like I've really worked on my communication this year. I've always been a great texter. Like if I don't text you back within half an hour, it's because I'm dead on the side of the street. You can count on that. So I always thought I was a good communicator, but this year I've really learned um, about talk. I mean, you and I talked about this before we hit record a little bit that I didn't realize that I, like, I thought I had to go into a cave. Like if I was thinking about something in my relationship and trying to work it out, I thought I had to go in my cave and journal and meditate and Mm -hmm. do it all on my own and talk to you all about it. And I'm never going to forget. There was one day I was like churning on something and you were like, have you brought this up to the person you're dating? I was like, no. You're like, (laughs) I think you should. (laughs) You know, and like that, that's communication. It's not just about how fast you respond to a text. It's also like, are are you just making unilateral decisions? Are you actually talking to the person you're dating about the things you're thinking about? You know, like that's huge. I would actually say that's more important than being a fast texter, you know? Well, and it's that vulnerability piece because, you know, that comes into play. Are you having some feelings about something and are you able to talk about them? And if you're not and you're acting like everything's fine on the surface, but there's a lot happening below the surface, but you're not willing to be vulnerable and talk about it, then you're having to like a completely different real relationship that doesn't align with who you are and what you're wanting clearly, yeah. um, you know, not being able to sit down and have hard conversations not being able to have a healthy conflict, um, resolve conflict, uh, you know, all of those things are huge, huge skill sets that I am much more aware of as I, you know, when I enter into a relationship. I mean, you're faking it. I mean, like if the whole point of dating and relationships is to really get to know each other in a real way, if you're not talking about what you're thinking about and being honest, you're not being authentic. You're not really getting to know each other. So you're just faking it. You're faking it is what you're doing. I had to confront that in myself this year. And I had a relationship like that this year that we know that, you know, that person wasn't open and understood that they weren't open. But then it was like all of this stuff was happening that I didn't know anything about because it didn't get talked about. And I really do think that we were having two completely different relationships because I didn't know what was going on. And I worked really hard to be a good communicator 
And I think I realized that like, I've gotten pretty good at that when I was with someone who wasn't a good communicator. Cause I was like, Oh, this is different. And that's how I used to be. I can see that. And I've worked hard from being in a relationship with somebody who was a great communicator. Like I learned those skills. Yeah. That helped a lot. What do you think about uh, the principles of reliability and consistency? As previously discussed, I had never really thought that much about the virtues of emotional availability. So this was not something that I would have equated with that, that idea, but, you know, thinking about it, it really, I mean, it is, if someone's more closed off, if they're not connecting with you, um, they don't have as much skin in the game. So they probably aren't prioritizing you. They're just, you know, they're going to tap out if things get tough. Like it is kind of all of those pieces of, you know, people show up for what they want to be there for. And if somebody isn't very reliable in your life, like why? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're making me think about emotional availability in a much um, deeper way, a much deeper, more nuanced way, because yeah, I think that's true. Like you're always tapping out if you can't be depended on, if you aren't being reliable and if the other person is not bringing those things to the table, it's not real. You're not really getting into the real stuff. Again, it's just performative. It's not hitting at your soul or your emotions or your heart or the real stuff. Mm -hmm. And again, you think about conflict and if somebody can't communicate like we just talked about and really like resolve conflict, then they're probably not they're going to feel that inconsistency because they're not going to be able to really sit and work through things with you. They're going to be that person who goes and disappears for hours or a day to like deal with it on their own and then come back. And like, that's not a healthy way to function. Like there is that piece of knowing that if something happens that I can rely on you to really like talk through it with me and figure it out versus, you know, not knowing how this person's, because if you don't know how someone's going to respond, if you don't know that they're if their emotions and reactions aren't reliable in a certain way, then you're less likely to even go down that path of bringing something up because you don't know what, what's going to come from that person. So. Yeah. You can't trust them. You can't Mm -hmm. depend on them. Like I remember I dated somebody that was really flaky and inconsistent. Rowdy Ryan, the one about whom all my bad stories exist. And we've got a great update on that front. That's going to be pretty hilarious. Working with what I knew at the time, he was very flaky, very inconsistent. And I remember when we reconnected after dating, he like brought some things up. He was like, you know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you bring this to the table? And I just told him, I was like, I didn't trust you. I never knew what I was going to get from you from day to day. And I feel like that's really a universal truth that if two people can't, like, if I don't know that you're going to be there, if I don't know that you're present, if I don't know that you are consistent and you want to be here and you are open, I can't, you can't ask somebody to be vulnerable or open or emotionally available with you because you're not really giving them a reason to feel safe to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime you're tiptoeing around someone in any kind of relationship, I mean, it's really just the worst place to be because you can't be comfortable. You can't be open. You can't communicate in the way that you need to, because you just don't know what is going to happen with that person. And other than the fact that they aren't going to deal with the conflict very well, probably because that's why you're tiptoeing around them. Like it's just, it's a bad place to be. Next thing here is probably one of my favorite terms. Self-compassion. I mean, and that's kind one. of, it's going real deep too, because there's also the idea of being emotionally available with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, are you telling yourself the truth about what you're feeling and what you're thinking? And I think 
honestly, like, I mean, I know I have a hard time with that at times. Like, I think there is, you know, usually when we use the words emotionally available, we're talking about a romantic partner, but it really does apply to your friends and your family. Like we've all had those families come up to say, oh, we don't hug. It's like, oh, okay. You know, and it, but in the way they say it, it's not just a like, oh, we don't like to hug. It's more of a, we don't show emotions with each other, you know? Um, and then it's also about yourself. Are you emotionally available with yourself? Do you tell yourself the truth? Do you care about yourself? Do you have self-compassion for your mistakes and what you don't know? I know I have a saying, no one's harder on me than me. And I think a lot of people are like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if someone doesn't have that good relationship with themselves or if they're not open to working on it, I don't know that they can truly like be compassionate toward you in the, the right way. Like if, if they can care so much about you, then they also need to be able to care so much about themselves because that's the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, this is something that um, when I dated Sean, the smoke show, that, this was something that he talked to me about because he subscribes to a lot of Buddhist principles and we connected on a spiritual level on a lot of things. And this was something he talked about um, that he actually had this funny thing that he made up with. He was a teacher and or is a teacher and something he came up with his students was he called it Heather's Helix because he and I talked about it over dinner one night. <laughs> he talked about life and we posited, well, what's life like? And if it is a helix. There's a whole idea of you might slip on a banana peel, go up a few steps, fall back a few steps, and then you get up and you keep going, but you do keep moving forward. And he talked about how self-compassion is a big part of being able to move forward because if you can't have compassion for your mistakes, you get stuck there. You get Mm -hmm. stuck in beating yourself up. You get stuck in, in like, oh, I ruined everything. And it really prevents you from moving forward and learning and doing better and evolving that was probably a good gift that Sean left for me. But yeah, I, I think this is such a great principle. And I think if anybody learns anything after divorce, self-compassion is a big one. Yeah. And that idea that if you don't have that, then I mean, what's the other piece that we talk about, especially in this stage is growth. And how are you growing if you just keep on getting stuck? Like you said, like you're, you're not going to be able to figure out your best self. And if I'm not my best self, then I'm not going to be a great partner. I know that. I think we've all been in relationships where someone wasn't a great partner because they weren't happy with where they were at in life. They weren't growing. They didn't have goals. They weren't motivated. Like all of these things really come into play. And that's just, somebody who's not in the right place to really like give you what you need if you are working on all of those things. Well, it really does create, I think like, I don't exactly have the right words for it, like a softening almost. And like, cause I think whenever a lot of times people at some point in their life, you're disappointed about where you're at. Like, Oh, i just got divorced. My marriage just failed mm-hmm. or I just lost my job or I lost my temper with my kids. And you're really hard on yourself. And while I think if you have self-compassion, I think that almost makes it easier to think about where maybe you went wrong or where you made a mistake because you're not berating yourself over it. And I think you're, it's easier for you to look at it honestly and figure out where you screwed up and be like, okay, I, I see what I need to learn here. I'm going to think about that and I'm going to do better instead of like getting angry and mean to yourself, which I feel like that's a harder space to take anything positive away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's also that, especially when it comes to relationships ending or we talk about this where like you can sit and blame the other person, but you also have to understand your part in it. 
And then that's where the self-compassion comes in as well of, all right, well, that's how I participated in this relationship not working out. And now I'm going to figure out how I move on and move forward and grow from that experience rather than just getting stuck in it. Yeah. I mean, it really does make it easier to accept the mistakes you made, you know, when you're not beating yourself with a whip or something over it, you know, (laughs) flogging yourself. So something that I was thinking about as I was like thinking through this idea, you know, what, what is the dynamic when one person is pretty emotionally available and in a good place and the other partner is not, does one bring the other person up to their level or does the person who's not open kind of bring the other person down? I don't know the answer to that either. We talked about this too, and this may, I don't know if this is good or bad about me, but I think I'm fairly responsive to the person I'm with. Although I will say, I don't think I lead the way. I don't think I'm the one that leads the way on emotional availability. I think my lowest common denominator is wherever the other person is, which is probably not great. It's Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it can go either way. I think it depends on if the person who's not as emotionally available, if they're open, if they want Mm -hmm. to grow, if they want to, if they can see where they're lacking or struggling and they can see the, the strengths in the other person, then I feel like you're more likely to kind of end up on the same level. But if that person just isn't, isn't into it, doesn't want to work on it, doesn't appreciate those values, doesn't see it, whatever, then I feel like the person who's more open, as we talked about, is going to be less vulnerable and is going to close in and and not, it's not a safe space, right? If somebody yeah. isn't, isn't into that, then you're never going to, why would you be open with someone who isn't open? Although I will say I have met very few. Sean, the smoke show is one. Maybe I'm just going to say there must have been at least a couple others. I don't know exactly. (laughs) No one else comes to mind necessarily, Uh, but he was so emotionally available and it kind of, you know, what I thought he had was a lot of integrity and a lot of self-confidence. He didn't change based on me. Like Mm -hmm. he was who he was. He was emotionally available. And I think those are kind of Holy grail people like, and I I aspire to that myself. Like, How nice would it be to be who you are in all situations and to not get, you know, like how great would that be? So, I mean, I think obviously like some people, you just, you can't be safe with them. So I think what you're saying is absolutely true, but I'm also, also in addition, really impressed by the few people I've met who don't seem to be impacted by that. Like they are who they are no matter what. And I think that's pretty cool. I don't think that's me, but I love those people when I meet them. Cause like, I don't know, you instantly trust them. You instantly know you're getting to know the real person. And I respect the confidence I have mm-hmm. to say. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of confidence and it also makes you wonder like, you know, were there things in his relationship history that helped him get to that place or that's just who he is and that that's who he is, right? No, it's fascinating though. Do you think you, if you recognize that you're not an emotionally available person, is that something that you can work on? Do you think? I mean, I feel, I feel like I, yes, I feel like my first post-divorce relationship I learned a lot of these skills in that relationship with someone who 
was a very good communicator who, you know, was pretty good at being open with me, was very reliable, didn't run away when things got tough. You know, instead of the, Heather, you're fighting till the sun comes up, we would sit and talk until the wee hours of the morning. I mean, we would have big, big, deep, long, open, I mean, it was sometimes a lot, but like, (laughs) He didn't get flustered when that stuff would come up. We would dig in. We would talk through it. It was very healthy. It was very even keeled. Um, There was a lot I learned from that relationship. And I do credit that experience helping me on that journey when I definitely wasn't open at all during my marriage. And I was a much more close. I mean, it was a big struggle. And I recognize that. Um, I also credit this podcast for gaining a lot of those skills as well, because we do sit and think about these things and talk about these things. And obviously like our side chats, Heather, like we, we talk through a lot of this stuff and I really do think it has helped me personally, as far as dating and relationships, because I'm much more thoughtful about a lot of things clearly than I was before all of this, because I didn't think about any of these things. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I think it kind of depends like where it all came from. Like I know for me, like emotional availability is probably kind of a top challenge for me just because it has been so rare for me to feel safe to Mm -hmm. be myself. So I've really learned a lot about that in the last couple of years. I think I, I agree with you, this podcast, I think my friendship with you and our unnamed friend, some of the dating I've done, I think the relationship I'm in now really pushed me to be better, to be a better person and stop like living down in the lowest common denominator. But yeah, I agree. I, I think maybe you can. I, I had to think about it. I thought about the whole time you were talking. I was like, can you become them? I mean, I think I am. I think I'm more emotionally available than I used to be. Like I'm more comfortable stepping out there and being vulnerable and recognizing when I'm projecting, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's also not flipping a switch, right? It is mm-hmm. part of that journey and that growth and the the want to do it, the recognizing all of it, the kind of the other piece when you're not in a relationship, really thinking about those more recent experiences. And clearly, again, we're talking <laughs> about them on this podcast. And so we're, we're <laughs> always reflecting on how things went and what we would change and how we were in those situations. But really thinking about those pieces are really helpful to whatever, you know, your next step is. Well, and I, I'm going to be honest, like this right now, this conversation we're having sat down here and I was like, oh, look, Laura has worked this all out. We're going to have a convo. Um, so I'm really like thinking about this in real time. I never thought about emotion avail- emotional availability as having so many facets to it. Like I think before we sat down, I would have said, oh, it's, you know, feeling your feelings the end. And like, I think a lot of these things you're bringing up 100% go to that. You know, like it's not, it's a much more nuanced, deep thing than I think I realized 30 minutes ago or whenever we started talking. Yeah. And again, everything is intertwined. Like none of these qualities obviously are a standalone piece. They're all of those, everything that kind of, you know, bounces off of the other for like a healthy interaction, a healthy relationship, all of that. Like you can't, I think you can have one without the other. Yeah, Absolutely. What can you do when you find yourself in a relationship with someone who is truly emotionally unavailable? Run. No, um, that's probably... <laughs> that's why my answer was going to be, be like, <laughs> leave. <laughs> Done. 
I mean, yes, I think you would determine if that's a relationship that you want to continue in as long as, you know, it's not a completely unhealthy situation for you. But if they are wanting to work on things, that's the other thing. You can't want anything for anybody else. You can want things for yourself, but you can't want something for your partner. So either they want to participate or they don't. But you can certainly try and figure out, like, is there something causing them to be closed off? Is it like childhood history? Is it, you know, past relationships? Is there something that really is keeping that person from being more open? Um, Will they work with you? Will they go to therapy? Can you, you obviously can, you know, be patient and you can model healthy skills and do all that, but everything else is up to that person to like want to do it and you can't want that for them. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about, here's a good measure. I, I mean, I guess I do veer to the leave side of the equation, but let let me pull that back a little bit. Like, for example, if you are reading a book that says, why is my partner so emotionally unavailable? My first question will be, what book are they reading? Are you mm-hmm. doing all the work here? Like, are, do they recognize this is an issue? Do they want to get better? I don't know. A lot of times in these situations, I feel like the emotionally available person is trying to fix it. And the other person is totally fine the way it is because they don't care because they're emotionally unavailable. They literally don't care. So I I don't know. Part of me, like, I I don't think I'd want to be in this relationship. Yeah. I'm not there to fix anybody. Like I'm happy to be a good partner and work with someone on something that they want to work on and make sure that they have acquired the tools that they need to work on these things, AKA like talk to your therapist and map out a plan. Um, but I'm not here to like fix it for you or to guide you along that path that you don't want to be on. Yeah. And again, this doesn't even have to be a romantic partner. Like, Mm -mm. are you emotionally available with your friends and family and like other people in your life that are close to you? And are they also emotionally available with you? Like, I don't know. Like a lot of times I think the things we talk about because people tend to put everything on their romantic partner, you can really widen the lens and apply it more to, you know, I think I want emotionally available people in my life overall. You know, it doesn't just have to be in your dating. Yeah. I mean, if you have that flaky friend who is super surface level and you never know when they're going to show up for anything, they are just, you know, you can't have a real conversation. They're like comfort, like all of these, like, well, why are they your friend? Yeah. Like what do you, yeah. what's happening here? Like, how is that a friendship? I don't get it. No one's connected. They don't care clearly. Yeah. Or the friend Please. who only comes to you to tell you all of the bad stuff happening in their life. And they never ask you about you and you are just their dumping ground. No. Yeah. No, Mm-mm. leave. If you need someone to enable shopping purchases, or to get a divorce or leave, we're the people to come to because we will do all those things. <laughs> Just go for better or worse. I don't know if that's a good thing, but that's what you're going to get when you talk to me for sure. You can make new friends. I feel yeah. like I've encountered a lot of people recently who talk about their friends, but then they say a bunch of bad things about their friends. And then yeah. I wonder, I'm like, well, why are you in this friendship? Yeah, you clearly don't like them. Like if you have any yeah. relationship in your life where you're like, hmm. I uh, can't say anything good about them. I don't think I like them. I feel bad after I hang out with them or talk to them or I avoid them. I really question what you're hanging on to. I guess I've just gotten really good at the art of quitting. Like no one when to quit. No one it's yeah. over. Walk away. And it's okay. It's probably better for you to do that. It's probably better for them. 
Better part are you of a, one. Uh, are you a quiet quitter or are you a... <laughs> Uh, Isn't that no. trendy right now? The silent uh, yeah, quitting or quiet quitting? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Like, honestly, like I think, it, well, you know what? I am really good at quitting friendships. I like, we all know I'm bad at like when I need to break up with someone in a dating aspect, mm-hmm. but friendships I'm and family, I'm so good at it because this is one thing that I will just put out there as a skill. I think if there's anyone in your life that you care about and you're having an issue with them, You owe it to the relationship. I really feel like this is a responsibility to say it out loud. And I've done it many times. I have gone to, if I had a major issue with a sibling or a friendship and I said, hey, I am really struggling with this. Can we talk about it? I say it. They know, you know, and then like it either goes well and we fix it or, you know, I've had it go both ways. We either talk it out and we fix it. I feel good that I was authentic and we actually addressed it. I am not that friend that's going to just like, ghost and I've Mm -hmm. had friends do that to me at times and it's like "Mm, I really I I think you've lost all moral high ground when you do that if you tell someone you love them tell them you're important to them I think part of that is being able to talk about it when you have a problem with them and like I think if you just like ghost them or walk away or don't bring it up to them hey you're not being authentic suddenly that relationship isn't real anymore and I think that's part of being in a real relationship of any kind with anyone talking about the hard stuff it can't all be sunshine and rainbows or it's a superficial relationship Mm -hmm. so I think that's your obligation if you care about someone and you have a problem say it out loud say it out loud at least once figure it out so no I'm not a quiet quitter we either decide to not be friends anymore or we fix it I think also if you bring something forward and they're really just not receptive or they don't get, then like you have your answer right there. That's probably not the the friend for you if yeah. they don't understand where you're coming from or they're not willing to work with you, then it's like, well, let's not drag on a friendship where <laughs> clearly we're not invested yeah. in the same way. Yeah. I mean, I you and I have also talked about, like, I think sometimes well, I know I'm a little too hard on myself, even on this podcast. Like I make myself sound like a nightmare when I'm really not. But one thing I will just like take the opportunity to say is I am very brave. Like if I have an issue with someone, I will have that hard conversation. No problem. Mm-hmm. And not to say I don't have angst about it, but like, I think that's like being a grown up. It's part of being a grown up is to talk about it when you have a problem with someone. No one, like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, and I know at least with my friends, we're not going to shoot each other. No one's getting shot in my circle of friends. <laughs> you know, like, what are you afraid of? Tell the truth. It'll we'll be okay. see. I'll know if you have a problem with me, but you'll never know if I have a problem with you because I'm so non-confrontational. I know. You'll, you'll, I'll write you a letter. I'll handwrite you a letter and I'll send it to you and I'll just sit there and wait. No, but now I know you well enough that I know like you will like try to lie to my face and be like, I'm fine. I'll be like, Laura, <laughs> you act like I don't know what that means. <laughs> Everything's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. I'll be it's like, fine. And I'll like try to push her and then she will dig even, but Laura is also very stubborn. So she's not going to stop saying I'm fine. And I, we just have to give up. <laughs> Come back I'll get an email or a le- I'll get a handwritten letter, like hand stamped <laughs> in the mail and be like, oh, here it is. <sighs> I'm glad we huh. finally had some jokes. We've had some serious episodes lately. So it's nice to have one. that's a little more fun. I know. I feel like we need to work in some more lighthearted, goofy topics because we're hitting everything in a big way. I know. Well, things have been kind of rough lately. So like, I feel like let's do some fun stuff for like just a minute and then we can go back to the heavy topics. You know, we'll take a dip. Yeah. We need to find something fun to talk about. Yeah, I know. 
I know, but fun and expensive. dating don't really seem to equate right now. So I know hard. we have, we have, some, I'm really excited actually about some of the episodes we have planned coming up. Cause there, there've been some developments, mm-hmm. um, a big Rowdy Ryan update that is so ridiculous. It is hilarious. I have to good. say. Um, so that's coming up. Uh, I don't know if life changing is too big of a word, but it definitely has significantly impacted the way that both of us see dating. Very eye opening. I think that's a fair. Yeah. Dropping pretty soon in the next yeah. few weeks and you'll know it when good. you see it. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Well, hope all of y'all are doing well. I think we're coming up on Thanksgiving soon. So talk Yay. to y'all later. Bye. Bye. Still thirsty? Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and all your favorite podcasting platforms, because sometimes life leaves you wanting just a little bit more.